Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. So glad to have you with us. And this is an exciting time for us here at Founders. And uh, for many of you who are coming to join us for our conference, January 20th through the 24th. And if you have yet to register for that conference and you don't know what you're going to be doing uh, next week, well, you should come down to Cape Coral, Florida, and you can still get a plane ticket. And you probably get one at a pretty good price. Sure you can. And you can also thaw out once you're here. Exactly. It's nice, nice weather down here. And uh, there are only about 100 spots left. And so those may be filling up and encourage you to register at founders.org. It's going to be a great time. The Only God, uh, a conference on the doctrine of God, how desperately mm-hmm. we need that, especially given uh, the tumultuous times in which mm-hmm. we live. We need to be reminded that there is indeed a God in heaven. Mm-hmm. And Vody Bakken will be preaching. You'll be preaching. I'll be preaching. Chad Vegas will be preaching. James Dolezal will be preaching. Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison from Just Thinking Podcast will be with us. And we've got uh, other panelists. It's just going to be a really good Tom time. Tom Nettles is uh, going to be a part of one of our panels as well. Uh, yes. Bob Coughlin will be leading us and singing during the conference. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. It'll be a wonderful time. Uh, we actually have a pre-conference on January 20th. So that Wednesday is a pre-conference. And if you're going to come to that, you do need to register for it in addition to registering for the conference. And so you can also go to founders.org and find a way to register for that pre-conference. Vody will be um, teaching mm-hmm. there, and it's going to be a wonderful time as we talk about um, what it means to kind of have courage for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is above all earthly powers. Yeah, So, we, and th- this conference is pre-conference, which is free, by the way. You just have to register for it, but it's sponsored by the Institute of Public Theology. And so uh, we'll have opportunity for folks to find out more about that. There, we'll have a booth there set up, and uh, just encourage you to come and participate. I think it's going to be a great time. Yes. And, and by, if, besides that, January 20th, you know, is a very significant day because it is indeed the inauguration day that's set up for our uh, presidency. So we'll see if anyone gets inaugurated and if so, who it will be. It is. The Capitol building will probably look a little <laughs> different on that day than it did this past week. We hope. And we're going to be getting into that uh, a little bit here in just a minute. If you are coming to the conference, we're going to have a fam dinner or a ministry update dinner one of those nights that is... Friday evening, Friday evening, and you can register for that dinner. A number of you already have. We're basically going to tell you about what's happened in Founders Ministries, what's coming up in Founders Ministries, and then encourage you to support us and become a part of the fam if you would like to. So that's going to be a wonderful time, but you do need to register for that. And the dinner is on site right where the conference is. We're going to go from the conference straight to that dinner, and then we'll go back in for another session. And that's uh, $15, right? I think we do have a few tickets of our maybe, I don't know, 50 or so tickets of that left uh, open. So register, it's, you know, the, the food will be great and the price is right and uh, the, the opportunity to just be around others and to hear about what God has done and what God is doing, what our uh, intentions are for the future with founders would be good. In fact, we ought to give away what? How generous are you feeling? <sighs> Boy, that's tough. Depends. It's, I can usually tell how generous I know. Christmas is over, you know, but hey, uh, let's give away five tickets. Can we All do that? Right. Five tickets. Five tickets to the fam dinner on Friday night. So this would obviously need to go to someone who is coming to the conference, or if you know somebody's coming to the conference and you'd like to bless them with this. Uh-huh. So uh, let's make it easy. If you will um, tag founders and what do you do? Retweet? You share, share on social media. Share on social media. Share tag on social media. Tag founders. Send us 500 bucks. And, 
You don't have to send us no, phone books. No, don't do Maybe that. say, I'm going to the conference and you should too, and you should join the fam dinner or something like that. Yeah. Or I'm not going to the conference, but I want to bless somebody who is. There you go. Yeah. So share it, tag us, and then we will select five of those to uh, make tickets available either to the person who does it or to the person you designate. Very good. Have fun with that as we try to figure out who's actually going to get those tickets. Do you tickets. think Hannah can recall but how we just She'll figure it out that. somehow. She's going to get five tickets <laughs> for somebody. You just better like and share this thing far and wide and say that you want those tickets. Uh, we are actually going to be live streaming the conference. Yeah. And so in order to see the conference on live stream, the way that is set up is that you join the fam. So join the fam and then we have an armory with all kinds of content and the conference is going to be live streamed in that armory. And so to watch the live stream, you join the fam. When you join the fam, you join for a, uh, every month and you get mm-hmm. all kinds of content you get additional content um, as things come out so it's a wonderful way to view the yeah. live stream and we ought to talk about the changes in the fam real quick mm-hmm. so we've got a new level of uh, support that you can come in at called the uh, ally level yep, the ally level yeah so now we've got ally sword trial shield that's it. Is that it? Okay. Those four levels. And you can do it uh, annually as well. So there are folks asking us, you know, that, that it just works better in their budget if they could support us once a year at a certain time. So yep. you can now do that. Go to the founder's website, click on the fam link. You can find out more about it. And also, let me just re- encourage you to consider uh, we have a place for Founders Alliance churches as well. And churches have contacted us. I've, I've had wonderful conversations with some pastors the last few months who have indicated that they believe their churches would want to come on board to be regular supporters of this ministry. We welcome that. We need that. And uh, if you want more information, you can contact me or just go to the Founders site, and there's a place for Founders Alliance churches. You can get information as well. Okay, well, we want to talk about living Christianly when the Capitol has been breached. Uh, people yeah. have been talking about the Capitol. This happened last week. Uh, there was an event there in D.C., and as the people that attended that event, at least some of them went down to the Capitol to encourage people to do the right thing inside the Capitol, as the president said. Uh, the president did say to do it peacefully, but mm. uh, that wasn't regarded by some of the people that were in that group, and they actually entered into the Capitol. It was wild watching this. I was actually I was, I was, I was doing sermon prep all day long no no internet you know and at like 3 30 i think one of your son-in-laws texted me something about it and i'm like you know what's going on i'm like (laughs) so i open up my and i'm watching you know this barbarian guy in like a bear outfit or something i'm like who is this bears don't have horns man okay it wasn't a bear outfit (laughs) i mean it was wild it was wild people climbing up the capitol building and all this it was crazy it was also sad a lady was shot and killed and i think there were other deaths three other deaths evidently and I, I was traveling that day I was going to, to teach in another state and um, so I'm getting texts you know between flights and then after I landed and I'm picked up being driven to the location where I'll be I'm getting texts from my kids and they're saying "Can you? this is crazy you know dad what do you think and did you see this and I'm, what is going on what's going on so I get to the hotel and the first thing I do is turn on the TV and I go to CNN and watch it and it was fascinating. I mean, that's a whole nother commentary is watching that unfold on CNN. Uh, typically what I do is try to get right and left sources to tell me what's, what they're seeing. Put them in a tell blender, me, blend them up, and you put it through a sieve. <laughs> and most of the time it's like they're talking about two different events. You know, I know it's one event, but the way they describe it is two different ways. But I figure I can filter through that uh, lens 
getting right and left, but this time I just went left and, uh, it was fascinating. Yeah. So, um, so for the record here, we are not for people violently entering the no. Capitol, violently breaching it's the tragic. Capitol. There have been all sorts of people, um, condemning it online, which would, you would expect. <clears throat> this is not the way that uh, people are to operate and it's a sign of the times. And, um, you know, as of course, um, those conservatives who did condemn the black lives matter riots, which seemed to go on for the whole year, <laughs> burning city after burning city after burning city. Um, well, they're in perfect position to say, Hey, we're not for people breaching the Capitol either. Um, the people that were unwilling to say anything about the black lives matter riots are people who said, you know, um, quoting MLK, okay, this is just the voice of the unheard and people that was <laughs> basically want to say this kind of thing is all right. Well, they're in no position at all to no. condemn what has now happened oh. at, at DC. But, but, you should listen because they're speaking loudly yes. and it's like finally uh, it has become politically correct to condemn uh, lawless activity in protests. Yep. And uh, you know, I, again, I, I hope folks that listen to us would, would see through that and realize you just don't listen to people like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're only going to stand up and say uh, uh, what's right and what's wrong, whenever they feel like the, the political and social and cultural winds allow it and they can do so by being applauded by those who uh, would otherwise stand against them. You know, that's not leadership. Don't, don't follow that. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of that going on. And you know, there's a great book <laughs> It's called by what standard. Yeah. And uh, you start to ask yourself, you know, well, by what standard do you, are you pro um, black lives matter riots in the streets and then anti um, riot at the Capitol building. Like That's how, right. how does that work? Well, and people are going to try to say, well, you know, these things are different. Well, I'd be happy to listen to somebody say that you're just not, you, you're not using equal weights. And no, equal you're not measures. And it's been, it's been tragic to read folks that heretofore, you know, I mean, up until the last couple of years or so, I really respected and promoted their work and we've used their work in our church, say things like this is, this is considerably different. You know, don't compare the burning down or they didn't say burning down, but the riots or the protests that took place over the summer in the name of black lives matter with what happened in the nation's capital on January 6th, because those protests were, were uh, as a result of trying to stop the systematic assassination of black people in the United States by police or, or something like that. I and mean, radically stupid statements mm -hmm. like that. And what happened in the Capitol was just president Trump trying to uh, bring about an insurrection so he can stay in office forever or, or something. It is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a standard, we have God's law and his word tells us what is right and what is wrong. What happened over the summer when people were pillaging and looting department stores and burning down buildings and killing people, killing cops was wrong by that standard. What happened on January 6th in the breaching of our nation's, nation's capital was also wrong. Mm -hmm. There were things done that were clearly in violation of God's revealed will and were criminal activities. Yeah. You know, we recently wrote a book called Strong and Courageous and uh, Following Jesus Amid the Rise of America's New Religion. And we yeah. saw that new religion vividly on display when the Capitol was breached. And we've seen it vividly on display in the riots uh, this past summer. Right. And we, we have a line in one of the sections on uh, exercising restraint. We talk about the need to exercise restraint. We talk about the need to take responsibility. 
And there uh, we say one of the problems that we're seeing in our own land is a pragmatic left and a pragmatic right. And they're both pragmatists. They're both operating in the world as if all that there is is the material world and our ability to push buttons. There is no God in heaven and there is no objective standard to which we are to look. And so uh, we use the example of of a little kid in the candy store, you know, the kid in the candy store is pragmatic. That's the left. Right. Um, the, the dad or the mom, that's the pragmatic, right? Well, the pragmatic left is just screaming yeah. heads off and going about this. And then the pragmatic, right? will do one of two things. We said, Num- number one, they might just make a compromise, you know, mm-hmm. well, Hey, why don't we small, let's candy send, uh, <laughs> let's send $1 trillion to the people through a stimulus <laughs> rather than 4 trillion. They might do something like that. Um, or we say they might double the recipe and return like for like, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we saw. So, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. You're going to burn down this city. Okay. You guess where we're going to go. We're going to go inside the Capitol. We'll go to the very center. This, these, we're, we have to step back and say, okay, Christians, what are happening? You shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. You know, if you, if you're watching the way that the world is going, um, our nation is going, if you strike a match and you set a fire, well, when other people begin to operate in the same way, you can't kind of pull your skirt back and say, well, no, I can't believe that somebody would actually do something like this. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Those impulses that uh, want to go beyond is always, they're, they're always there. That's why the law says an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. It's, it's proportionality. And that's the, um, people misunderstand that. They, they think an eye for an eye means, okay, man, you got me, I can get you. But no, what it's doing is trying to, to uh, proscribe and prevent, you poke my eye out, I'm going to take your head off. Mm-hmm. No, it's not that. But there is something to be said about justice. And whenever you see justice, truth falling in the streets, and if you got people that are not principled and grounded in God's word, and they're not going to be ruled by God's word no matter what, then the violation of justice over here feels completely uh, like a justification for you violating justice yeah. over there. And for the Christian, that's not the way to think. Yeah. We have a God. We, we have a, a book. And we are to come back to that. I, I've been struck. You know, we're going to talk about this. One of our panel discussions is going to be at the conference on uh, God's providence and our responsibility. But I'm reading through Genesis right now. And so this morning I was in chapter 45. And this is when Joseph first reveals himself to his brothers. And time after time in that conversation, in that revelation, he says, God did this. God did this. God Mm -hmm. sent me here. You know, God was at work. And that's got to be fundamentally uh, in our minds as we try to assess that. So where was God on January 6th? Where he's always been. God was sovereign over it. It doesn't eliminate anybody's responsibility where there was sin, where there's crime needs to be acknowledged as such. And there needs to be proper response to that. But don't forget, this is God. And that truth, that ought to humble us as Christians, man, what, what is God doing? And what does this mean for us? And what is our proper response as believers? It's interesting. You cited the text that I am going to be preaching at the conference. This is fascinating the way it's kind of unfolded about truth stumbling. Uh, This is from the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14. It's exactly Mm -hmm. what you just set up. says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. There's a lot of people that see that. And it's kind of undeniable when you look at it and you think, well, you know, if there's been 
uh, wrongdoing over here. Why can't I just whack it? Uh, if that's yep. if we're going to play by that rule, right. that you just kind of want to return like for like. But Isaiah goes on and says, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered mm-hmm. that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation. And mm-hmm. then he goes on to speak of the of the armor that God himself puts on, which the apostle Paul picks up on yeah. in the book of Ephesians. That in so I'm not going to preach my whole sermon here on the podcast, but the truth is that God is the only conqueror and God, God did this. Yep. God is the one who rectifies this. God is the one who can rectify this. God is the one who will make things right. And that doesn't mean that we throw off our hands because God is displeased. Like, right. Where's the man who's going to actually say yeah. something and do the right thing, you know, and it's not breaching the Capitol and it's not burning down cities back in the summer uh, for BLM. But where is the man? There is none. God alone is the one uh, right. who is actually going going to conquer and bring forth his truth and his righteousness. Yeah, And how's he going to do it? He's going to do it in accordance with his revealed will. He's going to show us, he's not going to violate righteousness and how he does it. So if we're going to be instruments in his hands and we're going to have to be strapped to the word, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I hear people, I just heard it again recently about, uh, you know, how Christians and you, know, you, you ought to be concerned. You're going to be on the wrong side of history. I don't give a rat's rip about being on the wrong side of history. I want to be on the right side of eternity. I want to understand what God has revealed to us, the eternal God, and try to live in the light of that. And so what's happening with Christians? I mean, people we know and love, you have two impulses that are going in opposite directions, both of which are wrong because they're not starting at the right place. On the one hand, you know, we got to pull the curtains. We got to pull the covers up over our head. Let's just be Christians in our homes. Let's pray. Let's, you know, do the things we're supposed to do. And there's some right ideas in that, but whenever you make it exclusive, then your good right ideas become bad because you've left off other things that God has said. But on the other hand, it's like, man, we have got to stand for righteousness. You don't understand what's at stake here. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do this, then X, Y, Z, it's all lost. It's all bad. So yeah, you know, we may, we may have to, you know, uh, break some noses along the way. We, we may have to crack some skulls, but Hey, it's for the, greater good. And as you said earlier, both of them are just pragmatic. Yeah. Both of them arise from a grain of truth in scripture, but are really governed and motivated by pragmatism. Yep. And, uh, Joab is an example of this. Joab is, um, David's commander. And then you have Abner who was Saul's commander and Joab, man, he was, a he was a cutthroat, cold blooded man who was shrewd and he was on the right side um, but he operated according to his own standard. Mm-hmm. And so he kills Abner. And you have Abner who's on the wrong side. But when Asael's chasing him, he's trying to get Asael to turn away, right? And he's, um, so you have these examples of, and he comes over to David's side, genuinely. Mm-hmm. And then Joab murders him. And then Joab murders another man. And then Joab's on the wrong side when Solomon comes around. He just seems to keep, and David speaks very plainly about Joab's um, sinfulness mm-hmm. and error at the end of his life. And yet he's on the right side. <laughs> And so some of that is instructive for us because we see sides forming. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, I saw somebody had a tweet and said, you know, when you got all your, all your ammo and you're ready for the civil war, but you don't like either side. <laughs> I saw somebody say that. And you know, it's not, I mean, it's funny because, but at the same time, it's grievous because we're seeing this take shape. Christians really need wisdom now to say, okay, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? And let me be aware that there can be, there can be pragmatists on all sides. We discussed this a little bit um, before the podcast, but when you assess um, 
Christian responsibility. We're, we're watching our own nation really fall to pieces. What are the things that we have neglected to do? I mean, the top few things, thinking pastorally about Christians, you know, we haven't done this and we should have been doing it. We haven't done this and we should have been doing it. Yeah, well, uh, certainly as Christians, we haven't taught the way we should teach about God, about man, about Christ, about the world. I mean, I just was reminded of this quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn when he says the line that separates good and evil uh, runs right through, uh, not through states or classes, but between political or p- between political parties, but right through every human heart mm-hmm. and through all human hearts. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, you know, that the, the sin that used to dominate us as Christians still lives in us, though it no longer dominates. It's the same grade. It's the same quality. And it has to be mortified daily by the power of the Spirit under the authority of the Word. And then to recognize the, the sin that is in the world so that we're not surprised when sinners sin. We're not surprised when de- depravity breaks out the way that it does. In fact, you know, the, the whole problem of evil question, I think, when you're getting your, your wits about you biblically, you know, it gets uh, transformed into the problem of good. <laughs> why is there any good in this world? We ought to be asking that question at least as often as we ask, why is there any evil whenever you see what the Bible says about that? But then the question of, okay, you know, why have we come to this point? What's, how did we get here? How did, what are our responsibilities? Well, we can look at and throw stones at uh, the godless, godlessness in our world. We can see the political rulers. We can see all the machinations that have come about through godless characters. We can recognize, rightly so, the, uh, the activity of the devil and his minions, how he wants to destroy God and everything that is God's, anything that is good in the world, he wants to overthrow. And that that's right. We should understand that too. But as Christians, we need to ask, where have we been? What have we been doing? Mm. Because this, this is happening. American Christians, this is happening on our watch. Mm. American pastors, this is happening on our watch. And, uh, you know, and, and our worship service Sunday morning recently, Daniel 9 was read. I I read a portion of that as we're confessing our sins. And I'm I'm struck by Daniel. We don't have one recorded sin of Daniel's. You know, it doesn't mean he didn't sin. It's just not recorded that he did sin. And yet whenever he's reading the prophet Jeremiah, he is convicted because he's in exile with God's people. And the the reality dawns on him that this is why we're Mm -hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And this is not going to get better until the Lord has fulfilled yeah. his purposes. Yeah. So he prays this. I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and please for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, to all the people of the land. So he owns it as a participant in this nation, covenant nation of God, and has they, they have sinned. So, I mean, as a church today, we need to say, you know, we have not lived the way we should have lived. We've neglected God's law. We have not advanced the cause of his gospel. And the results are pretty indicting right now. So first and foremost, what should American Christians do? We should be falling on our faces before God and repenting. Yeah. We have privatized and individualized 
the Christian faith, and we we're not allowed to do that. I mean, it is personal; it is individual. Mm-hmm. God saves individuals, but you know when when Saul died on Mount Gilboa, and David heard news, if he was only thinking about himself, <laughs> the guy who's been trying to kill me is dead. He got what was coming to him. He would have rejoiced, but David didn't rejoice. He wept, mm-hmm. and I'm suspicious that if many modern day American Christians were in David's shoes, they would have just been glad Mm -hmm. because the idea of the corporate Israel has now been laid low at the hands of the Philistines. And there would be no way to honor the Lord's anointed. There would be no corporate mindset about the welfare, not only of others, but the welfare of God's people particularly and the challenges that are now going to come upon them. And so, yeah, we've kind of just individualized it. And we've kind of subjectivized it and spiritualized it all in these wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is now things are crumbling around us and now it's time to, you know, now it's not, I mean, Nehemiah, it's just, it's time to do a Nehemiah and say, it's going to be a lot harder to build if Sanballos out here, you know, (laughs) threatening us. Yeah, it's going to be harder to build, but we need to do now what we have neglected to do. And Mm -hmm. you say, well, I don't know if we can actually, you know, see any of the impact. Well, all of that belongs to the Lord. Absolutely. But, even even thinking through institutions, you know, we think, well, when do, when does a conservative want to build an institution? Not when Joe Biden's the president. I can tell you that that is not the time. You know, he's thinking, I'm not going to build an institution now, but we have to. Now is the time Absolutely. to advance. Now is the time to be active. We need to be far more active and diligent. We need to be far more working the work of faith than we have in the past. And we've kind of probably got used to some laziness and mm-hmm. just just kind of thinking, well, that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I actually go and build something that's going to do good to other people. I'll just kind of just read my Bible and pray and go to church. No, no, no. I mean, this is why we're doing the Institute of Public Theology right exactly. now. We're saying now, now's the time. Is a, I'm, we're delighted. Yeah. Like this is a perfect time because there's going to be all kinds of errors. There's yeah. going to be all kinds of bad things and you can point it out and say, well, here's the truth. And yeah. the truth is going to be far better, far sweeter. And so, yeah, praise the Lord. Let's go out and proclaim Christ now. Absolutely. And there's never been a, a day of greater need in my lifetime than right now. So what do you do? Well, you can get despondent and say, oh man, I hate to see the foundations crumbling. And yes, we should hate it, but we should recognize this is a day of opportunity. And so, man, I I want every Christian I know, I want every pastor I know to start thinking about what God is doing right now. He's got us here now. We didn't live, he didn't cause us to be born 300 years ago. He caused us to be born and live in the day in which we are in right now. The gospel is still true. Christ is still king. Look at the opportunity. And, And opportunity comes knocking in terms of need. And it doesn't come, you know, oh, look how easy it will be. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I don't get them as much anymore because I've responded in a similar way across the years. But uh, people say to me sometimes, you know, Pastor, I, I want to pastor a, a church. You know, have a, a Reformed Baptist church, got elders, and they want a pastor to come in and do expositional preaching, and, you know, da, 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 and it's all set up because that's the kind of church I want to pastor. So, well, great, go build it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just go mm-hmm. make it. But look at it. You could close your eyes. And take the gospel and throw it in any direction, and you're going to land on a place of tremendous need. So we have the gospel. We know the Lord Jesus. He is the, the crucified, risen Savior. He's ruling. He's reigning. God has done this, 
and he's put us here. So let's find our marching orders again. They hadn't changed. And let's go. Let's look forward to the opportunities that we have to go and preach Christ, to make disciples, to build in a way that those who come after us, no matter what happens to America or the kingdoms of this world, they will find some ground to stand on that we cleared for them so that they can go further. That's right. You know, there's this um, um, military general. I think he was a general, and I can't remember his last name, but they called him Chesty something because he had this big barrel chest. And there was this great story about him being in battle, and the enemy was all surrounded him. You know, they got in front <laughs> of him, and he got behind him. And he's there with his men, and it's like, you know, they're totally done for. And he says, he says, come on, men, they can't get away now. That's right. You know, we like, got them just where we want them. This is right where we want them. <laughs> And you really need that because why is that important? When you go to federal, the federal level, I mean, we're just so corrupt. We've been corrupt for, for so long. And again, God's done a lot of good things in the nations, good foundations, um, but it's just corrupt. And so you're watching this event at the Capitol and you're watching what's coming with Biden and Harris. And you're saying, this is just, this is going to be crazy. It's going to be bad. You're going to have a lot of guys that you think, you know, this is kind of the team I would be on, but then they're going to go act crazy and maybe storm mm-hmm. the Capitol or something. And you're like, okay, no, not, not exactly. What do we, what do you do? You know? Well, taking what you just said, you need to start, you need to start with your own household, first Amen. of all. So you say, okay, and then start with your own prayer life. Like, how much are you interceding for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for your parents, for your brothers, for your sisters, family, and then for your church? You know, are you interceding for your pastors, for your elders, for your deacons, for your church members? What about the attenders at your congregation? Asking that they be added to your number. What about people that haven't come? Asking that they would come and become attenders. And then your own city and city officials. I mean, your mayor and your city council and people that are in emergency personnel and then entrepreneurs that are in your city. All these. And then you go out to the county and state and you start to say, when you look at it, at a national level that we're bearing such fruit that you think, how is this thing ever going to turn around? Mm-hmm. Well, you need to have that spirit. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to turn around, but I know the marching orders that I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And if things are about to get really messy uh, in the in the field where we're going to have the Joab and the Abner thing and confusion, well, Christians have still received our marching orders and we must still be willing to stand for truth and assess things. I would add, beware of who you listen to. Even, yeah. even evangelical leaders, you know, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, we haven't been afraid at times to say, Hey, we think this brother's wrong. And we think there's a pattern of, of wrong right. things that are going on and just, um, an ineptness when it comes to dealing with these issues. Sometimes it, they become too theater, theoretical. Sometimes they just like dance on the left party line and say things. And there's going to be all kinds of ways. This recent event is going to be spun and it's already being I spun already, in yeah. crazy egregious ways. And usually the soft evangelical left doesn't say like everything that AOC says, but they just say it. <laughs> they just kind of, they kind of they wash short. it. They wash it with some, some kind of Christiany stuff. And then they don't say what needs to be said. And so what happens then is because, you know, well, they're not saying what AOC says, then you just kind of, you end up not knowing what's going on. Yeah. So you do need to be aware of who you're listening to. Be aware of your news sources. I mean, just media is just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I use this one little thing called discern D I S R N. I think it's mm-hmm. just a source. It gives yeah. you a bunch of stuff. Christians do it. I don't know a ton about it, but it's a very, I just yeah. want to get the, get the brass tacks because everything's being spun and you need to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. And man, Christian today, pastors, the church, the church, 
that needs to be focal point of time and energy. I mean, yes, your family, your own uh, responsibilities in your household, but build your life around the church. Find a healthy church and build your life around it. And if that means you got to travel a thousand miles, travel a thousand miles and take a different job mm-hmm. in order to get into a church where you can build your life around it, because that is going to be consequential. It always has been, but the, the stakes are higher now. You know, mm-hmm. where I, I mean, you know, a lot of Christians think, well, you know, I can get by, I can get by. Well, you're not going to be able to get by much longer if our culture continues to crumble the way that it is crumbling now, yep. if God continues to allow that to happen. So pastors, brothers, we need to take seriously the call that God's given to us to feed the sheep, to shepherd the flock of God, which means to go back to the scripture. What is a church? How does a church live in this world? And how do God's people who constitute the church uh, comprise the, 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 uh, the makeup of it and own the responsibilities of it? What does that look like? And that will impact the way you do your job, the way you do your studies in school, the way you manage your households, the way you live in your communities. If we don't do that, if we don't see biblical reformation, biblical reformation of local churches, according to the word of God, then we're going to be ill prepared to stand against what is coming and what is already here in many regards. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. And just a reminder, we do have that conference coming up next week. Uh, if you haven't registered for it, there are still a few spots. And so do register. We would love to see you down here for that conference. That's really going to be a wonderful time. So press on in faith and press on in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And share this if you want an opportunity to get a ticket to the fam dinner or you want to uh, provide a ticket for others, share this. We'll be glad to do that. Thanks for listening.